Hi, everybody. I'm Josh Constein, your host of Press Club, where we bring together the big names in tech to talk about the big ideas. And one idea that's affecting pretty much everyone right now is burnout. After a year and a half of the pandemic, people stuck inside, everybody is feeling exhausted with work. Whether you're an office worker, a service job worker, or you're a creator, you're probably feeling a little bit of a lack of energy and motivation. But today we're going to talk with some of the biggest thinkers on this topic. You know, one of the top YouTubers, Alicia Marie with 12 million subscribers, the creator coach, Josh Zimmerman, who's helped tons of creators rediscover their motivation and energy. Ian Borthwick from the business side, Adam Ryan uh, from Workweek, a new publication, giving creators and authors a better way to avoid burnout while still being journalists. And Terry Yu, the author of an incredible new report revealing just how widespread the burnout uh, problem is and some new solutions and ideas for how to solve it. Thank you guys so much for joining us here on Press Club. I'm gonna kick it to you, Terry. Maybe you could just give us a quick overview of some of the major points from your research on burnout and how big this problem really is. Because it's been amazing seeing that your report already shows that 90% of creators feel burnout. Uh, over 71% actually feel like they considered quitting social media altogether. And about 60% of them say it's the algorithms to blame. That inability to know, is this like, am I doing well? Am I going to get penalized if I pause? And it's that fear of losing your voice, losing your access to your audience if you don't constantly create, even if it drives you into burnout. So Terry, Terry maybe you can give us an overview of this report and what's going on in the industry of burnout. Absolutely. So hi, everyone. I'm Terry. Basically, we ran a report with 150 creators from the whole spectrum of um, types. So from nano creators to celebrity creators. And it, it showed pretty provocative uh, numbers around how bad burnout is affecting the landscape. Um, I mean, you can hear this anecdotally just through all the creator conversations around the subject. But um, like you mentioned, you know, 90% of these creators have experienced burnout. You know, 71% have considered quitting social media altogether. Um, a lot of the research here goes deep into the different causes. Um, you know, there's algorithm changes and the shadow banning and the lack of transparency with platforms. There's also the hamster wheel effect where a lot of people feel like they're constantly just producing new ideas and new content. It never seems to end, almost in this rat race-like uh, function. And then the another reason was follower count anxiety, where you know our identities are so closely coupled with how many followers we have now that it becomes this crippling anxiety um, that you worry about on a daily basis. Um, others included hate and online bullying, which a lot of creators experience, especially in the higher tiers of um, follower accounts, where you know just the negativity constantly eats at you. Um, there's also things like imposter syndrome, because as your brand develops into a strong um, direction, it starts to branch off from the other you that might be developing um, as you grow. So. Um, Alicia might be able to speak to some of these as well, because I'm, I'm sure she has a lot of personal experience with this. I'd be curious to hear about Alicia's take on whether these causes have affected her um, and whether or not it feels like this resonates. Yeah, Alicia, maybe you can give us a quick introduction to yourself and then tell us how you've experienced burnout yourself. Yes, thank you so much for having me on, you guys. Um, for those of you who don't know me, my name is Alicia Marie. I have been on YouTube for 13 years now. I started in high school just for fun. You could not make money or thumbnails or anything really from it. Um, and obviously, over the years, it's drastically changed completely. It's obviously my full-time job now. Um, and I 
noticed myself loving content that was getting good views. And I was like, oh my God, I love this content that I'm creating, you know, and I was really chasing views, which I knew subconsciously deep down, I knew that, but like, I definitely told myself I wasn't. And I just loved the content I was making. It was very young at the time. Um, you know, for, um, the demo was, let's say like 10 to 13, uh, younger, mostly female girls, a lot of like back to school shopping tips or that makeup tutorials. And 10 years into me doing everything, I realized I was not happy and I didn't like the content that I was creating. And I thought I should be so excited for hitting a huge milestone of, you know, being on the platform for 10 years. And all I felt was that I had empty views. You know, I had videos that had, you know, 40, 30, 50 million views. However, they felt so empty because I felt like I had nothing tangible behind it. And I was looking at all of my, um, my peers and they had books, they had acting experience, they had other things that I didn't have. And I think just because I was focusing so much on just growing in numbers and subscribers and views and more and more that I missed a huge opportunity. And, um, that caused me to have a huge burnout moment. You can literally Google like a burnout YouTuber. My face pops up. Um, just because I feel like that it was the first era of people starting to take a break. And honestly, at that time, no one had seen it done successfully where a creator could take a break and not ruin everything they've ever worked for. So yeah, the anxiety, Terry, like you were saying of comparing yourself and trying the longevity is, is it's very toxic and, um, it's still around today. And I think that's, what's, what's hard, but I'm just so glad that that conversation is being had, honestly. Thanks so much for sharing that. That's really personal and amazing to hear, you know, people actually talk about the fact that they feel burnt out because it's not something that's always fun to discuss on camera or with your boss or in public because it can make you feel like, oh, maybe I'm not performing as well as I should or like everyone else is fine. I'm the only one who feels like this, but it's not. This research clearly shows that like pretty much everybody feels that. And it's not just creators, it's traditional workers as well. Uh, Adam Ryan here started Workweek, which is a new form of publication which allows a ton of autonomy for journalists to be able to write about what they want in their own style and own the means of distribution, you know, actually get to uh, share in the, the profits and the success of the publications that they power rather than just being kind of a cog in a publisher's machine. Adam, maybe you could talk to us a little bit about what you discovered when you were thinking about building Workweek, about how burnt out the average creator, the average person, you know, regardless of their job, not just creators, how they're feeling. Absolutely. And uh, thank you for having me, Josh. I started talking to creators years ago when we were recruiting at The Hustle. Uh, we were trying to find kind of the best bloggers on the internet. And since then, I've talked to hundreds of creators. And over the last year, with all the pieces around the middle class economy of creators and, and all of that, uh, we started to identify a lot of trends. Uh, everyone was talking about the financial aspect of, of creators. But the reality was that if we, if we have a middle class, then we have an upper class of creators. And the upper class essentially had support. Uh, it was less about financial incentives that, that were making them thrive, but more that they had the ability to take a day off and that they had someone help them with the production and that they didn't have to do all the jobs all of the time. And so that's, uh, that's really what we tried to solve for is we thought if we could help not just financially a creator not have a survive but a thrive mentality, as well as them give them the tools, resources, and access to grow, we could uh, uplift a lot of creators that are just emerging into this into this new upper class. 
So, Ian, I know that you've looked at this problem a lot as well, not just for creators, but for business people of all types. Maybe you could tell us a little bit about, you know, why is this so ha happening so hard right now? I mean, to me, obviously the pandemic is a big part of it, but I think whenever you have a massive shift of norms, you end up with a lot of uncertainty about the way you're supposed to play things. You know, we kind of had the feeling that, yeah, you might get pinged after work and you might get start to get emailed after work from your boss, but at least you knew like when you left the physical office, there was some sense of separation uh, between your you know your recreation time and your work time and when we move to remote work that boundary just got destroyed suddenly everybody is stuck in the constant work you never really know when it's time to turn off and I love that some countries are actually instituting fines against uh, I think it's Portugal uh, or maybe it's Spain that is doing a fine if you actually email or, or uh, text your employees after work hours to try to re you know, reinstate that kind of boundary Ian what have you learned about you know why this is affecting so many people right now it's a good question I think how it affects me is you know, I'm kind of just when you're working remote, especially when you work with everyone who's in L.A., which is where all the creators are. I'm somehow working both East Coast and West Coast hours, um, which isn't the most fun thing in the world. I think to, to give people context, I work at SeatGeek. So we're one of the largest spenders in the influencer space. I've been doing this for five years, um, sponsoring all sorts of YouTube creators. And I think. The interesting context for me is I've seen this happen from afar. So I remember when I first started doing YouTube and, and this isn't me sharing anything groundbreaking, but there's one of the biggest creators on the platform was this guy, FouseyTube. Alicia will probably know who I'm talking about. He was massive and he, and he still is a big deal, but he, what happens when you grow really, really rapidly on a social platform is whatever got you that rapid growth, you start doubling down and trying to one up what you did before, because that's what the platform wants you to do. You say, okay, I got a million views in this video. I gave away three cars. Now I need to give away four cars. And what you do is you keep on ratcheting up the stakes, both in terms of what the content you're producing, but also potentially how much you accentuate your character. And that's what you, you get this burnout, but then you also get creators have been kind of forced by these platforms to do things they wouldn't normally do, to say things they might normally say because you are kind of being forced up this kind of parabolic growth. And it really pushes people to a burnout place where you start to see some, some things that are just very out of character from creators because they feel the pressure to continue to move up the view totals, to maintain their audience, to continue taking it up a notch. And that's something that, um, that I, I, I've seen quite a lot on the brand side as I've seen creators kind of go up and then deal with this burnout slash like almost explosion of they just can't deal with it anymore. This really reminds me of another huge issue that we discussed on Press Club recently, and you can get the podcast uh, about this if you're interested, but we talked about the Facebook files and the fact that uh, you know in the new research and, and leaks that came out about Facebook, it revealed that because these algorithms really incentivize outrage, they ex incentivize extreme emotions, people found that negative emotions often performed better than positive emotions. And so you saw a bunch of pages, including political parties, move from being about 50% sort of critical content, 50% positive content, to being 80% negative outrage bait content because they know that that's what really resonates with people and that's what grabs people's attention. And when you think about being an individual content creator and 
trying to build something like that, or even just trying to do this in your daily work. You know, you having to constantly ratchet up that extremity, constantly be sensationalizing yourself. It seems like it just is so exhausting because not only does it take a lot of emotional energy to like puff yourself up and get all mad about things, but it also takes, you know, a ton of, uh, it, it, it just is really draining because it means you're probably going to get further and further away from what your true perspective is, which might be a bit more balanced. Um, so Josh, I'd love to hear from you. What have you found has been some of the, the ways that creators have actually succeeded in, uh, in dealing with this themselves? Or, you know, you as a life coach for clients beyond creators, you know, what have you found actually can reawaken that kind of creative spirit and help people get past that sense of burnout? Thanks so much, Josh. And Alicia, it's great to be back on stage with you on a different platform, but always love being on it. You know, um, Josh, one of the things that uh, I want to just take a step back on is that burnout's been happening for a long time. Um, but in 2019, the World Health Organization uh, recognized burnout as um, uh, and included it in, in, in its 11th revision um, and said it's an occupational phenomenon. It's not classified, by the way, as a medical condition. That being said, um, the it became such a big deal that the World Health Organization made a classification for it and recognized it. So the um, most important thing to know is that it not only affects creators, but it really affects everybody uh, in any kind of work. Actually, the biggest um, burnout that we see is in doctors. Um, and the U.S. is losing, this was, I think, pre-pandemic, the U.S. was use, uh, losing, I think, three, $3.8 billion a year to doctors burning out. Um, you know, what I'm seeing when I'm working with my clients, um, whether they are creators or, um, you know, executives or startups, is that the biggest thing to do is uh, and best thing to do is what Alicia said was to take a step back. Um, and there is a huge fear that if you take a step back, that um, you'll be forgotten and um, you're, uh, you'll drop in status. Um, but that's actually not the case. Um, and um, what ends up happening to continue burnout is that we continue to have we continue to push ourselves when we, when we have no energy left. And uh, uh, that ha does a couple things in your brain to, to block creativity. And you can, uh, I'm happy to talk about that a little bit more later. But um, the biggest thing that, I can, uh, that I've seen with all of my clients is if they take a step back uh, and take a break and recharge a little bit, that creativity is going to come uh, soaring back. Um, everyone's scared that if they stop, their creativity is going to you know, die and go away and they're never going to get it back. The, the good news is you're, if you're creative, you can't get rid of it. It's not going anywhere, whether you're, you're burnt out or not. Um, but the surefire way to continue to be burnt out and go down um, a, a, you know, the, the death spiral of, of, of burnout is to continue to push. I have some questions about that, if I'm allowed to interrupt here. Uh, Josh, do you not feel like the burnout has disproportionately affected creators more than other occupations that you've seen? Or what, what have you observed there? 
I mean, I, I just know personally that I think burnout is hitting a younger audience because of creatordom. That previously it might be somebody in their late 30s or 40s that's been in their career for a decade or two, feel like they're feeling some kind of professional stagnation, and that's when the burnout really kicks in. And so maybe you just never really heard about these people talking about it or feeling, uh, having or hearing their feelings about it because they weren't super wired, they weren't super connected, and we just didn't have the social networks available at the time. But now because this is hitting a much younger audience, Audience, a much more vocal audience, it's finally becoming something that people are really aware of. Uh, but I'd love to hear your thoughts, Josh and Ruin. You know, I think that there is a um, there is a heightened awareness now around um, creators and burning out. And that really sort of happened um, in, you know, when Alicia, you know, was was, you know, brave enough to come out and talk about her burning out. But I think it has really come into the spotlight for a couple different reasons. The first one is uh, that, you know, creators are uh, in our hands, in our phones, um, and we're seeing it all the time. Um, and the second piece is the, uh, uh, the pandemic. Um, and when you put these two together, um, we sort of see this uh, rising of, of people just becoming exhausted. Um, you know, Terry, to your questions um, specifically, um, I, I think because of the reach that um, creators um, have, um, it has become uh, a uh, topic that uh, is much more widely known, um, uh, but also because creators have a huge amount of pressure on them to perform at a certain level um, that uh, not only that they expect, um, but that they think their fans expect of them. Um, but there is a, a, a dangerous combination between, um, you know, creativity, um, having a lot of attention on you, and the pressure, um, the unrelenting pressure to continue to put out content and self-worth um, that, that really is a breeding ground for um, not stopping and, and running um, people into the ground um, when it's not necessary. Alicia, I'd love to hear maybe you talk a little bit about more some of the more specific sources of burnout. You know, we talked, uh, you know, in, in Terry's new research that she published today, uh, talked about some of the causes of creator burnout, including the changes to the algorithm, the desire to make a living, the kind of hamster wheel effect of constantly having to produce content to not lose your reach, you know, the, the pure anxiety about your specific follower count, hate and bullying, imposter syndrome. You know, what is it that, that you find creators are really feeling that's driving them into feeling like they want to quit social media altogether because that's that to, to think that you know there are some so many people you know we did this report at signal fire my venture fund that found over 50 million people are making a part of their living as a creator at least and that number has increased now significantly since last year uh, but that you know a lot of them it feels like they if they don't uh, constantly produce that content that they're always that the algorithm's going to forget about them or their fans are going to forget about them so maybe you could just tell us a little bit about what it is that you think of specifically around social platforms and and the ways that they work that drives that sense of uh, of anxiety or or, uh, or burnout with you. Oh yeah, I mean, if you mentioned how, or sorry, if you heard what I mentioned earlier about it taking me ten years to burn out, where now there's people, let's say TikTokers or new YouTubers who started less than a year ago and they're already extremely burnt out. Obviously, there's something has changed. You know what I mean? 
Um, and one of the big ones is definitely the way that the algorithms work. And I think a lot of creators tend to want to find blame and they'll just say, oh, the, it's the algorithm. It's the algorithm. It's not me. You know, it, it could never be my content. It's obviously the algorithm not pushing me. Um, and I think in the end, it it really does come down to, you know, back in 2016 or so, if I put out a video to my subscribers every single week, it was very consistent. It didn't matter which, what I uploaded. It's like, it was extremely, extremely consistent where, you know, now obviously different platforms are, are changing things and you can have a video kind of have more of a shelf life now, which is what we found out where maybe it doesn't take off right away, but in six months, it just takes off randomly, which is really awesome for longevity. However, when it used to be where you would upload a video and in one day it had 1 million views, the second day it had 2 million views, third day, it was such a calculation. It was like an equation. Um, and then when that started changing, you know, I think a lot of creators started really second guessing their content, their worth. Obviously, as much as you don't want to put your worth in views, how can you not when it's the only metric next to your video, you know, showing how well it's performed, you know? Um, I think another drastic thing that's changed, this is something I've actually been thinking a lot more of more recently, um, especially my heart goes out for a lot of these younger um, creators, specifically like TikTokers, who have had the world like handed to them overnight, essentially. And I think that's one thing that prolonged my burnout was having such like exciting, enjoying the process and enjoying every subscriber mark, every, every benchmark, whether it was a thousand, sub I made an, I made a thank you video when I hit a hundred subscribers for my YouTube audience. <laughs> um, <laughs> so cute. Um, but now, you know, when you can only, if you're a new creator, you're comparing yourself to people who have millions of followers. And I think it's harder to kind of celebrate those smaller milestones, which only also contributes to burnout. And it makes you, you know, that comparison game is so horrible. Um, and even seeing huge creators, working with, you know, Louis Vuitton or, um, you know, these, these huge designers who, when I started YouTube, you wouldn't even think that was a, a possibility. Like you were like, I remember freaking out just thinking, you know, if, if any brand would want to work with me, let alone now, I just think the standards and expectations are so high that people really are just so hard on themselves and they're not allowing themselves to really like find themselves and be creative. And they're just kind of trying to chase what they, um, can find, which usually falls back to if you do have one video that does really well, you keep doing that video because of the odd, you know, the algorithm and the audience want that. And I think that's what is the hardest thing about being a creator right now is being willing to evolve. And even if you have a series that is killing it, doing other things so you're not pigeonholed into one series and just the luck of it getting picked up by, you know, the algorithm or the search bar or whatever. This is, I was just going to say, this is what um, I, a lot of my clients, I, call, I work with a lot of my clients on, it's called, the, I call it the creator dilemma, right? Where um, you're uploading content uh, to whatever platform of you're choosing, and that's the stuff that your fans and your followers know you for. But all of a sudden, you want to go in a different direction, and you upload a video that is not uh, in line with what you used to upload. and your fans and followers are not such a fan of that video and they may not um, view as much of it. But we start to have this divergence of, uh, you know, you as a creative wanting to um, explore different ideas or different kinds of um, uh, creativity 
and your fans um, saying, no, no, we want the old stuff. Um, and you start to see this split going on. Uh, and there is a real tug of war. Do I go back to the stuff that I'm, I'm, uh, I'm, I used to do, but I'm not really passionate about anymore? Or do I um, jeopardize or risk jeopardizing uh, all of my, my fans um, by doing the videos that I love doing? Um, and you start to see this real tear, um, and that causes a huge amount of stress. Um, you know, what I say is do what you love and do the content that you love and the people who um, uh, love you for the content that you put out there will follow. Um, they're all on the bus for, for coming on the bus for, for you, and, and that's the most important part. Yeah, it seems like you can easily get trapped in a local maxima, which is basically the idea that, yeah, you might think that this is the peak because if you do something different, you start to go down in views. But that means you might never find that much taller peak that if you were able to align what you truly love, your sense of self-expression with what you know audiences eventually do like, you know, it's going to take a little bit of experimentation. And in the meantime, you can be in that trough where it's really scary. You think, oh, man, nobody likes me anymore. But in reality, that's the, that experimentation is the only way to really find what is going to be true truly successful for you. But with that, I want to jump into what these platforms could do to relieve some of this creator stress. Specifically, you know, are there things that could be changed about the algorithms or the way that they finance creators to give them more of a sense of surety and stability around their mental health? You know, Some of the best ideas that I've heard uh, from people like Lee Jin from Atelier Ventures, uh, as well as Hunter Walk uh, from Homebrew, were you know, ideas that there should be basically paid leave. Like, could you have two weeks off a year where you get paid at the average of your last year of earnings and you get that re revenue so you don't have to worry about like, oh, if I take a vacation, I'm just taking a material hit to my finances. Or could you get an algorithmic pause where the algorithm would, you could literally tell the algorithm, hey, I'm purposefully not making content for the next week or two. Don't penalize me. I'm not abandoning the platform. I still love my fans, but I just need a little bit of a break. And it would know that, no, this shouldn't be penalized the same way that right now, unfortunately, if you stop making content, even for a few days as a TikToker or for a few weeks as a YouTuber, you can significantly lose reach. So I would love to see them think about that. Plus, I would love to see these platforms funnel some of the immense profits that they are earning into providing free mental health services for their larger creators. I mean, they depend on these creators for bringing in their fans and their viewership and their ad revenue. And so I would really hope that these platforms would want these creators to not uh, have this be an unsustainable profession and something that you can only do for a few years, but instead something that you can do for a long, long time. I uh, would love to hear if anybody has ideas that they think might work along these lines or uh, thoughts on some of these opportunities uh, for how we could uh, alleviate some of these problems around mental health for creators on these big social platforms. I think the platforms are so hard to solve, right? They have they're all they're all built in the way that they are that it's almost uh, it's almost moving a, a cruise ship at this point on a quick circle. And the one of the solutions that I believe is is a possibility though is is bundling and creating collectives and creating supports. This is actually like there's a really good example of insurance companies. Uh, everyone knows the, the pitfalls of, of medical insurance and there started to be groups and advocate groups that created their own insurance policies. And then that helps them save costs, but it's, it's this collective 
that has a similar mindset, I think that can start to move more towards creators. And I think there's also relatability. We've we've said creators tonight a bunch, but there's a lot of definitions of that. Is it a journalist? Is it a YouTuber? Is it a TikToker? Uh, is it is it you know someone like Packy McCormick and Substackers? Like all of those people actually have very different needs. And creating collectives, I think, is a is a bottom up way to help solve a lot of that. That then the platforms have to respond in a, in a more succinct way rather than on their own terms. Yeah, I had some ideas too. In terms of uh, what you had mentioned about the paid leave, it's such an interesting idea and it gives creators that chance to reset and emotionally like detach themselves. However, I think that might be just be a band-aid for the deeper rooted issue at hand. So when we did our creator burnout report for Vibly, there were a bunch of causes and, um, and a bunch of solutions that we had analyzed. And one of the major problems is this idea of um, psychological insecurity. When you think about a team that works at Google, Facebook, whatever, psychological safety is touted as an important part of being able to be creative and being able to flourish and um, getting your work done um, sustainably. Um, the creators don't have that, right? When it comes to the constant changes in the algorithm, that one move, one moment they're relevant, one moment you know their their videos are falling. Um, you know, it just doesn't cut, give that same uh, psychological safety and the lack of transparency um, that they it, is causing, you know, that kind of uh, fed it, that um, that attention, like their their own work to be compromised. So um, there's another part about the transparency of offenses, too. Like there's shadow bans all the time where they don't even know why they might content uh, is deleted from TikTok or on YouTube, you um, you know might not know understand why it wouldn't be relevant anymore. And if you think about yourselves in the creator's shoes, all that's insecurity and top of the fact that you're not necessarily making a predictable living, that totals up to be a pretty hard job. Um, so one of the parts that we recommended is also looking into reliable recurring revenue because that gives you a safe space to be able to count on so that at least, you know, if things hit the fan um, on the uh, social media audience side, you still have a place where, you know, you you are you can depend on that has reliable income that isn't going to just change on you any second. Yeah, I mean, I definitely found that sense of peer support is so important. Uh, if you guys want to check out Terry's uh, awesome tweet thread that shows a bunch of this great research, uh, it's pinned at the top of the screen right now. But the idea was really that, uh, you know, a lot of the pub big publishers or organizations for creatives like newsrooms. I, mean, I used to be a journalist. I was a reporter at TechCrunch for eight years. And when you're in a newsroom, you get this sort of support built in. You know, if you take a week off, there's somebody else that can handle your beat. You know, if you get sued, uh, you know, your, your publication is going to come to your aid. Uh, there's a, a, you know, if you have an idea and you're not quite sure about it, you have somebody else to bounce it off of. And when you go totally solo, you don't have a lot of that. And what I've been found, but at the same time, you get full control control of your creative process. You don't have to deal with editors. Nobody tells you what to do. And you get to share in a lot more of the, the financial success of what you're making. You know, I've seen way too many incredible writers, journalists, uh, content makers really get very little out of what they're making. Meanwhile, the publications they're at, you know, grow really big on the backs of them and then end up laying them off eventually, which is just awful. And so instead, what we've seen is that independent creators are starting to rebundle themselves into small collectives where they can offer that same kind of peer support. You know, I'm in a group called uh, uh, Type House. It's kind of like a hype house, but it's only online and it's just for like Substack writers. And when one of us wants to go on vacation, the other ones will offer to be able to go on 
uh, go on and take over and send something to their subscribers on their behalf so they don't feel like they're you know giving up or, or you know cheating their subscribers out of a month of revenue uh, or that you know if you have an idea and you need some help they've got somebody to bounce uh, those ideas off of and we've also seen platforms like Substack offer a legal defense fund for report or for writers on its platform and I'd love to see more uh, platforms do similar things like that but I think that's a huge uh, and important concept that you know, creators kind of have to band together because they can't rely necessarily on these platforms to help them and instead they need to look for ways that they can help each other uh, but we still do need to get a, a better handle on what these uh, these platforms can do uh, we'd love to hear if anybody else has any opinions on, on any of this and Alicia have you ever tried that like working with other creators to have them you know guest on your uh, channel or you guest on theirs to take over when you don't have uh, when you you're, you're sort of trying to take a little vacation you know, I've never actually tried that approach. Um, obviously, like collabing is a fun one to do. And I've never thought of having someone like take over, though. So maybe I should do that. Um, yeah, maybe. <laughs> one thing when I'm thinking with where I'm hearing everyone talk is the kind of consistent thing here is the algorithm, right? Like, gosh, the things you were mentioning are communities or one-to-one connections or when there's really, when whoever your employer is, whether it's Substack or it's, I guess it's not really your employer, but it's much more of a direct connection. But once you insert the algorithm into the equation, I feel like it sort of makes creators a commodity in some ways where there's there's just a disassociation there, right? And so the creators, I feel like, who are, who are trying to force that more like one-to-one connection, that deeper community, something to give themselves more ownership. Like, Alicia, you have a podcast, I think. That is much less, well, I know you have a podcast, but I mean, like, I think that gives you much more, I don't know, power in this, in this equation where, you know, if the YouTube algorithm changes tomorrow, you and Remy are still going to have that podcast. You have that direct connection with everybody who subscribes on Spotify and, and Apple. Like that just gives you, I feel like a stronger connection. And once you start inserting the algorithm, that's the constant here where there's this disassociation between the creator and who's actually paying them. I started the podcast after I took a few months off after my huge burnout moment a few years ago. And that's the first thing I knew I needed to do after trying to come back and deciding I want to keep posting. I knew all of my eggs were just in one basket, which was YouTube at the time. And I didn't have any other um, revenue streams or even just other projects that I was doing outside of YouTube. And starting a podcast is my biggest advice to any um, creator out there right now, because it not only has helped me in my personal life, it has helped me almost just see so much more opportunities. And it made me realize, you know what, if, if I'm done posting YouTube videos, let's say in a year, this podcast and what can come from that could be my next whole chapter. And I remember, um, I was listening to someone's podcast and they were based, I think it was like a, how I built this or something. And someone was saying how, they were at one brand for 10 years and then they up and just decided to quit that and become a director or something. I forget what it was, but it was the complete opposite of everything they had ever done. And that gave me so much freedom realizing that I'm only going to be doing this for a season. I don't know how long that is, but I want to ride this wave as long as I can. But what can I do so my future self, you know, what am I learning now that can maybe, you know, help me in the future or something? And I think just the podcasting world, um, has been insane. Also, speaking of collaborating with other friends, yes, my um, best friend, Remy Cruz, we have Pretty Basic, our podcast together. And even just having another creator makes you think outside, like it gets you out of your head. And I think that's one thing that all of us creators really struggle with is when you're watching yourself, you're editing yourself, you're filming, like it, it's so hard to see outside of just, it, just to get out of your head and having someone else there 
just is, it helps it have like a fresh perspective. Um, and yeah, there's no algorithms there as much. And it was the best thing I think I ever did. So I would highly recommend that to anyone. I'll just second that point that pretty much whatever you're making, you should be trying to own your means of distribution. If you think of, you know, back in the day when it was production that was really expensive, you wanted to own your means of production. That was like Marx's call to action. But, you know, in the modern age, production is actually democratized and very cheap, but it's the distribution that's often something you have to rely on somebody else to help you with, uh, like these algorithms of these major social networks. But that really puts you at the mercy of them. If they change direction, they change priorities, suddenly you can find yourself, you know, out like losing your voice, losing the reach to, to your audience. And that's why I strongly re recommend that basically no matter what you're doing, you should be building an owned audience, owning that means of distribution. You know, I think my biggest personal professional regret of my whole life is that I spent eight years at TechCrunch writing obsessively. I wrote three and a half thousand articles for them. And I basically retained none of the audience. You know, hundreds of millions of people that read my stories. And, you know, other than the people that ended up following me on Twitter, I basically lost that whole audience when I left TechCrunch. And that just, like, it hurts my heart to think about because I would love to be providing those people with knowledge and joy and something interesting for their day. And I just have no way to reach them now. And so, you know, I wish that back in the day I had negotiated not for a bonus, not for, you know, more expenses or, you know, a higher salary, but to be able to put a link to an email subscribe uh, button for a newsletter in all of my articles and started to build up that audience. Because that's not only, you know, your ability to ride out whatever professional changes may, may come or whatever uh, algorithm changes there might be, uh, but by diversifying your means of distribution, by, you know, launching on multiple platforms and by creating an owned relationship with your fans, not not where you're mediated by an algorithm, but where you actually get somebody, uh, you know, if somebody subscribes to you directly, usually with email, but even better with phone number, where like the conversion rate and click-through rate is just off the charts. Uh, getting that access to people is so important. And like I said, diversifying is so critical. I mean, it's such a heartbreaking story of what happened with Vine. You know, there were all of these creators who built up Vine into this amazing, uh, you know, place for, for short form video. And, you know, they basically pioneered what became TikTok, but Twitter came into a cash crunch and decided that they were going to shut down Vine and everybody who had built up their audience there just lost basically everything. And the only ones that really survived and were able to make the jump were the ones who had been, you know, methodically also promoting their Instagram, their YouTube, or their other platforms. And so whatever platform you're on, make sure that's not, you don't have all your eggs in one basket. Make sure that you're finding a way to own that means of distribution uh, and make sure that you don't end up you know, losing everything if you want to change jobs, change careers, or change mediums. Josh, you know, what we're, what we're talking about here is the diversification of your portfolio. And I think it's so, so important for every single person. I don't care if you're a creator online or you're a writer. Everyone's a creator in some sort. But to not forget that you are a CEO. You own a business. And one of the hardest things to do is if you are your own business, how do you turn off? Right? You don't get to close the door uh, when we went to an office. Um, you are the business. Um, and uh, being able to diversify your portfolio and your business from podcasts to merch to books to um, all different forms of um, creativity is so important when one of the one of your um, revenue uh, sources 
goes down. The other thing I just wanted to to touch on is the algorithm, because we keep hearing about it again and again. And, you know, people love blaming the algorithm. But just for everyone to know, the algorithm is a bunch of zeros and ones. It has no feelings. Its job is to do one thing, to keep viewers on whatever platform for as long as possible, to serve as many ads to them as possible, to make as much money as possible. That's it. So when you have somebody who uploads content, who is uploading a piece of themselves to a platform, and then it either it doesn't take off, we see a direct correlation to somebody saying that it's uh, affecting their self-worth. And what we have to do is start to have these conversations of sort of breaking the vacuum and, and talking to one another and saying, okay, what's really going on here? And, um, you know, this, these zeros and ones who ha- that have no feelings, right? They don't know how much time you put into a video or a podcast or um, a TikTok. It just knows what it's programmed to know. And so if we're able to sort of separate um, what the algorithm is and what its job is from what you are actually producing, it starts to, we start to get some perspective and awareness. And that also starts to help um, separate the, the feelings of, um, of, of anger towards, towards the algorithm. That being said, I think there needs to be some major adjustments and more communication from platforms to um, creators on how these different pieces of the platform work and why they work certain ways. Yeah, the one thing I'll add is just from the product development side of it. I used to be an ex-growth product manager at Asana, worked at product at a bunch of startups. There are humans behind the algorithm prioritizing criteria and in which case, sometimes it's real, sometimes it's stories, sometimes it's the newest feature for whoever's using shopping. And so I think what the platform side owes creators is that transparency of, you know, there are changes coming up and being very clear on what those rules that are changing are for the respect of creators' time and, you know, treating them like the real um, uplifters of the ecosystem they are. So in the meantime, I want to ask you guys can you guys each give me one tip, one specific thing that you find helps you? you know, there's obviously that helps you deal with burnout, not just the general sense of like taking a step back, but is it, you know, going for a long walk in nature? Is it taking a long bath? Is it having a great phone call with somebody? Is it reading your favorite book again or going on a silent meditation retreat? Like what is it that you found can restore that sense of enthusiasm in your own practice? Whoever is feeling passionate can just jump right in. I, I think all of our answers uh, could be a little bit uh, cheesy here, but I, for me, the like thing that definitely resets me is like find know the thing that always you like have fun with. I think the the piece of burnout that doesn't get said a lot is that you end up doing the things that you don't love, uh, that you're not having fun with, and whether it's creating content or production, whatever side of the house it is, and the way that I think 
I encourage myself and others that are, are creating on a consistent basis is just just go do the thing that you enjoy to do and, and take a break from everything else. I know that one tip that I'd heard that I really liked was understanding you know what type of creator are you or what type of worker are you? Are you the sprinter you know who is alternating bursts of work and rest? Are you the mid-distancer who's like consistent but can burn out if they just always do it for a really long time? And then the marathoner who might go a little bit slower but can uh, but eventually can really build a long-term practice. You know, figuring out what you're great at is really important. That's from Sam Lesson uh, from Slow Ventures. And yeah, just thinking about what is the strategy that works for you? I know I'm a sprinter. I'm much better just like taking a few minutes or a few hours and just working as hard as I can on something as I can and then just taking off from that and just like removing myself entirely. And so I think finding whatever that strategy is for you is super important. You know, I would say it's, Josh, what you're talking about is hit training, right? High intensity interval training. Uh, the, the problem is that a lot of people do HIT training, which is high intensity training, where they don't take that interval. Um, for burnout, the, the, for, for me, it really comes back to um, getting some space um, and doing something that allows um, your brain to wander. Um, and so a lot of that can come back to uh, exercise, uh, meditation. I mean, we all hear all these things, right? But exercise, meditation, driving, showers, and baths, things to help us relax and drain that cortisol from our brain and uh, as well as the adrenaline. And that then starts to uh, let us recharge and sleep. These are all major things uh, that are huge benefits. And also knowing that you're not alone. It is a very, very lonely um, uh, career uh, that creators and artists choose. And so being able to talk to others and share their your experience also helps people uh, uh, relate um, and, and uh, know that they're not alone and, and sort of come out of uh, burnout or start to recover from it. Maybe that just brings up that more people could really stand to be outwardly vulnerable about this kind of thing. When nobody's willing to talk about their own challenges or how hard it is for themselves out in public, everyone else just assumes, everyone else must be great at this. I must be the only person who's feeling this kind of stress or this rundown. And you know, I think especially people in a position of strength, ones who have a strong community, who have a support network behind them, who have you know, some, uh, you know, some financial security, being willing to talk about this stuff in public can make space for people who don't have that same freedom, who might be under the gun of a boss who if you said you were burned out in public, they might just say, well, you can't cut it. And they would get laid off from their job. You know, thinking about how you can you know, make space for others who might be in the less for fortunate position is really important when it comes to mental health, regardless of whether that's burnout, depression, anxiety, or whatever it is that's, uh, that's plaguing you. Honestly, for me, um, speaking of mental health, I'm like, besides uh, my therapist and uh, anxiety meds, some things that have helped me um, are definitely trying, I struggle with it so much trying to get off of my phone, trying to take that time to rest and relax. But um, I think I have gotten a lot better at when I, uh, when I know I'm starting to feel burnt out or I know that I'm just, yeah, really starting to feel burnt out, feeling crazy and all that kind of stuff, realizing that I am creative and it's less scary now than it used to be. When it first happened, I, I really thought I was done with my career. I thought there was no turning back from it. Like, 
it was all over. And I think now just being able to kind of recognize it before it gets that bad has helped me a lot as a creator because then it helps me be able to take a step back and realize, okay, if that means I miss one week uploading, it's not the end of the world. You know, let's actually take this time off to detach and actually get rested instead of just, you know, pretending to be busy. And I think a lot of it is a lot of influencers are overachievers and we have to be working because we get validation that way. We have to you know, answer all the emails or, you know, say that we pulled all nighters and like, we really get validation from work. But I think finding that balance of just because you're working so many hours a day doesn't mean that they're productive hours. Um, and I think that's something that a lot of influencers, um, struggle with. One thing I do, which is going to sound like I'm very much virtue signaling, but, um, is trying to help someone else. Like, I feel like if I get in my own head, particularly around like burnout or obsessing about a project I'm working on. Like right now I'm, I'm kind of having that. And I helped my mom edit her cooking video today, which was both a ridiculous thing in some ways. Yeah. I sound like a great son, but I think like 10 total people are going to watch it, but it was a great way to kind of, I don't know, you, you go back to whatever you're working on with a little bit more context about, okay, I need to step outside myself for a second. Um, so I don't know. I try to find someone else to help a little bit or work on so like I can have context to my own projects. Ian, where can we watch that video? So this is funny. My mom is, she would not post it publicly because she's convinced it will go viral, which is hilarious. (laughs) She has it for her cooking class that she's like, I have paying customers. So they are going to see it first and then maybe I will release it broadly. Um, and so that's currently where it sits, but, uh, I, I am proud of my mom for, for becoming a creator um, at the age of 60. I love that. <laughs> I have so, a little bit to add on my side. Um, besides the support systems, as people have mentioned, and also the detoxes, uh, for me personally, you know, as a founder, there's a lot of stress at all times. I'm sure it's very similar to the um, entrepreneurial stress that creators must feel as well. Um, one very powerful tactic that has helped me personally is just the reframing of thinking. So instead of thinking I have to, you know, work today again, reframing it as something like I get to go to work, even just in my language and practicing that mental exercise and reinforcing my brain to um, think in that pattern has helped a lot. And so, um, you know, practicing gratitude, which I know sounds very cheesy, um, but it's definitely something that if you're able to condition yourself to do, um, it just only gets easier um, for for your brain to continue to be wired that way. Terry, you're 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 talking about positive psychology, right? And and being able to um, reframe um, a situation and or predict a situation that's coming up, and say if this happens, then I will do this. Um, and that is a really advanced technique. Um, and I'm, it, I was so excited to hear you talking about it. Yeah, exactly. It's been very difficult to, you know, get to, but it's, it's something that you just, you have to learn to do if you're going to be constantly in the mix of, um, you know, chaos and stress. And um, so something that I found personally very helpful in, you know, my, my journey as a founder. 
I love it. And I hope found founders out there always know that it's okay to cry. That is totally a normal part of the entrepreneurial journey. And any really strong founder will tell you that they've had that, that same situation. Let's talk through some of the top tips from today's panelists on how to deal with burnout. You know, Burnout makes you do things you don't like. It makes you try to perform outside of what you truly think of as your your you know expertise, your craft, uh, your creativity. And you know whatever got you to your success, whatever got you your massive growth, it can be really tough to reproduce that and constantly up the game, up the ante, up your character, or just constantly do the same thing. Because it, even if it was what you loved at the time, it's hard for it to constantly be what you love forever. Uh, and you know, there's a broad sense of burnout right now. You know, 90% of creators feel burnt out. 71% uh, say that they've considered quitting social media altogether. 60% blame the algorithm changes and that sort of mental instability as a uh, core reason for it. But we also have the pandemic, which has really you know uh, broken the division between uh, you know your workday and your recreation day. It's made all oh, it's erased all the norms and made it so nobody really knows when you're supposed to stop working. Uh, plus, you have deal to deal with things like the home stress of being at home. Like if you're somebody who likes to keep your place clean, it can be tough to actually concentrate on your work if you're also constantly looking at you know your apartment around you and your messy area, uh, or if you have to deal with your you know, kids and child rearing, uh, or you're dealing with time different time zones and workers uh, and colleagues that are across time zones. There's a lot of strong reasons why it is totally okay to be feeling burnout right now. Um, and especially for creators, you know, back in the day, the algorithms were much more consistent. It was much more about your subscriber count rather than every individual piece of content being evaluated on its own and something's blowing up and something's falling flat. Uh, and that unpredictability just adds extra stress to creators' lives. Um, and it can be really tough to compare yourself now that we're this mature in the creator economy ecosystem. You know, it's been around for over 10 years uh, that you, know, you can compare yourself against people with millions of views and no matter how well you're doing, you can always find somebody who might look like they're doing better. But trust me, behind the scenes, they are having the same kind of burnout issues. Uh, but what it means is that we need to be willing to evolve past the creator dilemma. The idea that you know you might post something different than what you're used to doing and fans might not like it as much or you, know, you try to branch out from where your expertise is, maybe your boss doesn't like it. But to be able to get to that next peak and not get stuck at a local maxima, you have to be willing to experiment, even if you deal with uh, dropping into a little bit of a trough in the meantime. Um, but you know, there is reason for you to pull back. You know, to be able, when you pull back, when you recharge for a little bit, your creativity will often come back. It's not something you can get rid of. You know, true creatives, it's in them forever. It's like riding a bike; you cannot fall off, even if you try to. And so, it's just a matter of getting your stamina back, and that can really help. And you know, uh, let your brain wander. Figure out if you're a sprinter or a mid-distance or a a marathon or worker. You know, make sure that you're diversifying your uh, your channels so you're not always worried of, oh, what if one algorithm change happens or what if this one company goes under, what's going to happen to me? Own your means of distribution. So no matter if you're an office worker uh, or a creator, find a way to own your presence on the internet to be able to build expertise over time and build a following because that will help you no matter what you want to do next. Uh, and find some other fellows, uh, colleagues who can help you out that can cover for you when you need to take a vacation. Uh, who that can you can bounce ideas off of, or just talk candidly with people who are dealing with the same problems. You know, take a drive, take a long shower or a bath, go exercise, get a walk in nature. You know, <laughs> take your meds if you need to. Get you know, go see a real therapist. Get on the phone with somebody that you care about. Try to help somebody else, and really try to reframe what you're doing as 
not just a chore or a job, but as an opportunity and build a new sense of internal validation, that it's not what other people think of what you create that matters, it's how you feel about it. Because you know, in the 21st century, uh, you know, we have, we've evolved what work means. In the 20th century, it was physical work. You worked on a factory, you worked in manufacturing, you worked on a farm. You know, it was workplace injuries that were physical. And that's what, what led to the development of workers' comp and you know, social services that provide for people that get hurt on the job. But in the 21st century, uh, you know, the workplace injuries are mental, like burnout, uh, as the founders of COA said. And you know, we need to find new ways and new benefits to address mental health injuries. Uh, otherwise, we're, none of these jobs are going to be sustainable. So I hope whatever it is you're making out there, whatever your job is, you find a way to feel internally validated, to find the support you need, to be open and vulnerable with other people so they know that they're not alone in their own problems. And just take a break. Everything will be waiting for you when you get back. Thank you so much for joining us today on Press Club. I'm Josh Constein, your host, where we bring together the big names in tech to talk about the big ideas. If you're building solutions for some of these mental health problems, we'd love to hear them about, about them at my fund, Signal Fire. We fund seed to Series B companies, and we love to help our companies with recruiting. We know that's a huge stressor on founders. So if that's something you need help with, our Beacon Technology and recruiting team can really take some of that work off of your back. But you know, whatever it is that you're trying to make out there, I hope you get a little bit of peace a little bit of tranquility and remember that it's a great opportunity that we get to do this at all. And so please take care of yourselves. Thank you so much for joining us here on Press Club. I'm Josh Constein. Farewell.